0: Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiacos FC and Greek football. The
1: first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year.
2: When I, I spoke with Kevin, if i going to sign or no for Olympiacos,
0: it's said, you're crazy, go like my friend. I can't speak, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Gate 7 International. It's Sunday, 25th of September, 2022. There aren't any Olympiagos games this weekend. It's the international break and we have to fill it up with something and you know what there's been something we've been talking about a lot during the summer and that is Nottingham Forest and August, and the evolution there and we've got special guests tonight with us from the door on tour crew we're going to bring him on in a little bit uh go and check out door on tour the link is below in the description if any of you want to keep up with what's going on at Nottingham Forest door on tour is your your number one source let's say i'm costa i'm joined by co-host ari how you doing man long time no see
0: yeah it's good man unfortunately i had the pleasure of covering cyprus greece last night after post-match so that was lovely Uh, but in the end didn't mean anything because we already won the group but hey but swiftly, it's nice to talk Olympiakos stuff again.
1: Swiftly moving on from the Cyprus-Cruise <laughs> game yesterday. You know what? There, there, there are some news before we dive into this um, Nottingham Forest Olympiakos special podcast that we've got lined up today. Mitchell Gonzalez, the new era has begun and there was a friendly game yesterday between the men's team and, uh, well, the other men's team, the B team, Olympiakos A and Olympiakos B, if you will six nil victory for for Olympiakos against the b team uh you said scoring two goals cedric bakambu scoring two goals pep Biel getting one and the other one Help me out here i think Conrad de la fuente got the other one and yes also that's some correct news, yep. news that uh costas has got three three assists as well but okay guys this is a game this is a game against the b team a lot of players still missing on international duty and okay we haven't been that great in front of goals, so if we score more than two goals in a training game against the B team, it's kind of summing up our season to a certain extent, so <laughs> some people getting excited about that, but but anyway, a quick shout-out to our sponsor as well, Ari, do you want to do the honors?
0: Absolutely. Boys and girls, for the betting people out there, don't forget, Gate7INTL is the promo code. Go visit betus.com.pa. Using our promo code, you get a 125% deposit boost. You can turn 100 bucks into 225 so on and so forth. Some people ask me if they could only do 100 Nope, you can obviously deposit more, and they will match you 125%. So more than double your deposit on top of that. If we're going to have some struggles and some chaos for Libyakos this season, the least we can do is help you guys win some money. So remember, betus.com.pa, Gate7INTL is your promo code.
1: Oh, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I see some new people in here. Yeah, Nerviri says hello from Sweden. Don't forget, guys, this is an international channel by Elipagos fans for Elipagos fans. Uh, always great to see more and more of you uh, joining the cause. Don't forget to like and scri- subscribe if you haven't done so already. Hit the like button; doesn't cost you anything. Get this episode and the channel out to more Elipagos fans around the world help us to keep growing the community. And without further ado, I'm going to bring on our guest from the Door on Tour group. He's a massive Nottingham Forest fan, Dave Asbury. Did I pronounce that right? I hope I did.
2: You did. You did. I mean, I
1: I grew up in the UK, it'd be pretty useless if I didn't. So, (laughs) Dave, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Costa. Thank you, Ari. It's lovely to see you gentlemen, both of you. And uh, as you sp- spoke earlier about, the, there's an international feel from uh, the UK to Belgium and to the United States. And this idea that we're crossing seas and what I have you is fantastic. It's, it's lovely to speak to both of you. And um, not that you've put any pressure on me as a, a representative of Nottingham Forest. Um, how Nottingham Forest will feel about that, I do not know. But we'll see and I'll, uh, I'll endeavour to represent them in the right way.
1: Well, mate. Um, before we kick off, I suppose to call to the to the fans that are watching live as well. Now's your opportunity, guys. There's been a lot of talk about what's been going on over summer, the the relationship between the two clubs. Throw your questions into the chat. Like, we can pass those on to Dave. Keep it civilized, as always. Uh, Dave, first impressions, man. Like, I mean, obviously, been more than twenty years. You guys haven't been in the Premier League. And 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 now it's it started. I think we're eight games deep into the Premier League. Mm. Um, Good start for Forest against uh, was it uh, West Ham? If I remember well, West Ham uh, by the Mm. skin of the teeth. But like you you ground it out. Mm. And then there was the Everton game that I remember where you should have won, but silly goal at the end cost you. And Mm. then. Bournemouth and Fulham so it's just it's, it started well uh, it seems to have kind of capered off a little bit but I'm not going to tell the story for you like mm. tell us tell us how how you see things from your end like wherever you want to start from
2: well it's it, it's seven games in so we're uh, we're one win one draw and five defeats and um, the way that the fixtures have panned out as you say we we were beaten by Newcastle on the opening day and they were well worthy of their 2-0 win in fact it could have been more it was a bit of a, a harsh welcome to the premier league for forest and i think they we all knew it'd be tough but i think newcastle made it even more um of a stern awakening if you like and then we rode our luck a little bit but got our win against west ham i think forest were just about worthy winners on the day they kind of earned their luck everton played some really nice football we're a goal up brennan johnson put us a goal up i think with about 10 minutes to go and then depending on your point of view if you're an everton supporter it was a lovely goal pickford straight to damari Gray. damari gray sorry if you're a forest supporter it was kind of like a bit of a kick in the teeth then on to tottenham where we lost 2-0 but there was a sense that um we came out of the game with a lot of credit because i think there's always this idea that. Tottenham are a sort of, you know, relatively finished article in the Premier League and Forrest are the new boys. You know, they're like the like the new kids in the school taking on the big kids in the school, really. And Tottenham were very, very canny in in sort of we had more possession, but Tottenham were really canny in soaking that up and then hitting us on the break. And obviously, Harry Kane scores twice. He's a world class striker and Harry Kane did what Harry Kane does. And then <laughs> we went to Manchester City, which Without any disrespect to any other team on the planet at this moment, it's probably the best team anybody could face. And they they gave us a good idea and they beat a 6-0 and they were they could have won by 20 or 30. Forest tried really, really hard, but were utterly outclassed. I think having got those the Tottenham and the um Manchester City games out of the way, I think what the Forest Faithful did, they looked at the next two and thought, right, well we've we've had these two incredibly difficult fixtures. Now we can look to get some points from uh, Bournemouth and Fulham, as they were the other two teams that came up. And I'm not saying that complacency, there'd be no complacency in the team, no complacency in the management or the coaching staff. But maybe there was some complacency among the supporters thinking, well, these are games we should get points from. And we were ahead in both. But really, we didn't deserve to win either. Uh, I, I, I would say Bournemouth, certainly second half, Bournemouth were excellent. From 2-0 down to 3-2, to they deserved their win and forest sort of capitulated slightly alarmingly and and there was a lot of anger after that game because when you have a two nil lead you really don't want to be letting it slip so there was a lot of annoyance with that Fulham um, again we were in front at half time and then Fulham had a spell of about six minutes where they they were irresistible they scored three and then at that point you kind of thought well forest might end up conceding four five or six but actually steve cooper made some adjustments uh he went to a four at the back whereas he he preferred sort of five at the back you know three center halves and two wing backs which has been that was the way ever since steve came in and and got us through the championship um and we ended up i wouldn't say we deserved anything from the game but we were we were more respectable than we might otherwise have been uh, at which point we get to the international break so the thing with forest is and and what I would say about the games against Bournemouth and Fulham is that Fulham were uh, Fulham were promoted to the Premier League six weeks ahead of Forrest. Bournemouth were up three weeks ahead of Forrest. And what those two teams did, they'd already bought probably people that they saw as being Premier League players. I think Bournemouth and Fulham from quite a distance away from the end of the season, I think, had a notion that they would be Premier League teams now (laughs) forest and we're talking about evolution on this show lads forest evolution has been at the speed of a revolution this you know from where we start we were bottom this time last year of the championship so from that point to this forest's progress is nothing short of meteoric but that brings brings problems because it all happens so quickly so the team that won at Wembley the total cost of which was six million was never going to stay together into the Premier League. There were five loans, there were people at the end of their contracts and sadly there were some people not good enough. So the background to what Forest are trying to do at the moment is they're trying to integrate 22 or 23, 22 I think it is, new players into the club. So 22 guys from uh, different clubs, different backgrounds, different countries, all trying to come together in Nottingham and some of them have only met each other basically a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And to to build a team spirit and to and to build a squad and to do it on the hoof, if you like, in the most difficult league in the world means that Steve Cooper and his coaching staff have got an incredibly difficult job. But, but the issue is where the media seem to think it's like Forrest being vain it's absolute necessity because of so many left, as many left as have come in. So Forrest have had to overhaul and we could see, I, I could see it coming from a mile off. I could see it coming last season thinking if we did get to the Premier League, which really until the playoff final and we'd won it, no, nobody dared think it because as you say, we'd been out to the Premier League for 23, um, 23 years and we were so conditioned to mediocrity and, and failure an underachievement that we didn't dare dare think that we would get up. So, Forest almost couldn't plan ahead to the same extent that the likes of uh, Fulham and Bournemouth have done. So, um, the phrase that we used, was used about Forest by a, a respected local radio commentator, in fact, probably the voice of Nottingham Forest, Colin Frey, was that there was five years of progress within ten months. So everything is happening really, really quickly, and I think um, you might not see. Uh, a settled forest team, maybe until after the World Cup. Um, you know, we've got we've got a run of fixtures now that some of them supporters will um envisage as being opportunities to take points. So we go Leicester away, Villa at home, Wolves and Brighton away, then we're into Liverpool at home, Arsenal away, and then we we finish Brentford and Palace. Now there are some games in there which people will think we can get some points out of that. The worry is that if it's going to take this time for a real um, settled Forest eleven, where Steve Cooper knows his strongest eleven, if it's going to take some time for that to evolve, the worry is that we may be adrift by the time that team uh, comes to fruition. So, it's a, a very difficult situation, and I think we're, we're all trying to be patient. It's it's not easy because we we want we want Forest to win football matches, but the bigger picture is of a of a, a side that is trying to find its identity um, and trying to come up with its best uh, formation to put on the field at the moment, really.
1: Bloody, Bloody, we Bloody hell,
2: it just sounds like you're talking about us at the same time. I,
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, some of the things you're saying, team trying to find its identity, team that's probably going to start playing and gelling after the World Cup. Uh, lots of signings.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how many how many of signed signing total
1: then? Do, do you know what, mate? Um, Ari, sorry, I, I don't want to hog the mic, like because yesterday I was on the show and I was talking to Dore, and I told him I, I, I told Dore I think we made twenty seven signings and I'm wrong. It's not twenty seven, but it's seventeen. I think yeah. that's including that's including Philip Zinkenagel. Yeah,
0: um, if you include the returning loanees, like the returning players we got on loan, oh, it's more. Or, it's more, isn't it? Yeah, it's twenty. Well, it's twenty-five. If you include the players we sent on loan and came back, we have twenty-five new players in training camp over the mm. summer.
1: Or, that's why. That's, that's why we get confused. It's just like, yeah. Um,
2: so, so what you're saying then that there seems to be quite a lot of parallels between Olympiacos and Forest. And 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 the I suppose the one common factor is Mr Marinakis, and he's obviously I mean we're we're kindred spirits in that Mr Marinakis is ambitious for Olympiakos and he's also incredibly ambitious for Nottingham Forest, um, as to which he sees as being the more important I I wouldn't want to comment I mean that's that's what Mr Marinakis' side i we'd all I think you two lads on the from the Olympiakos point of view and, and myself from the Nottingham Forest point of view would like to think that he's portion in his affection and his love equally between the two um you know so um not that I'm saying that it's not been like that before I um but I think I think what has changed everything for the two clubs in terms of the relationship is the fact that um if you like for so long Olympiacos were a, a really well-established European Champions League team with with quite a high profile across the continent whereas Forrest have been a sleeping giant, sort of adrift in the wilderness. And the fact that Forest themselves have evolved so quickly is now beginning to affect that relationship between the two clubs, it seems to me.
0: Dave, I wanted to ask you, now that we're on the subject of Marinaki and we'll say the ownership, over the course, at least since we've been doing this show and since I've been learning myself a lot more about Nottingham Forest. I've kind of seen, and again, my, my social circle with respect to Nottingham Forest is a lot smaller than yours. So that's why I'm asking for your context on this. And my question is, so before, before the promotion to the Premier League, I used to see, especially over the course of the transfer windows, when we would see a lot of Olympiacos players go to Forest, a lot of negativity. But now I've seen since the promotion, it's a lot more positivity about his ownership. Uh, so my question was more with with your connection to a lot more fans, at least. How do you see the overall outlook on the ownership? Are people overall happy with the Marinakis ownership? Are they are they un- unhappy? Did they think it took too long to get here? What's what's your lay of the land
2: uh, with regards to that? I don't think, uh, gents, that there's any. I don't think there's any great dissatisfaction. I think there's. There's a lot of, of positive feeling towards evangelos and to miltiardis uh, a hell of a lot of uh, positivity they like his ambition he as um he's his starting point was always going to help because the previous ownership was so derided and and ridiculed um it was so unpopular it was such a Uh, you know, I don't want to sort of come on here and be disrespectful about people, but it was not an it was not an ownership regime that was popular. So when Mr. Marinakis came in, he was already, if you like, he was already onto a winner because he was not the previous ownership, because the the forest supporter got to the point where they had such little faith, and such little regard for the previous ownership. They, I think for a lot of them, a lot of us, we thought, well, let's give Marinakis, Mr. Marinakis, a go. He can't possibly as bad as what's gone before. And then, and honestly, and then as things have developed, I mean, obviously there was a, a close shave. We nearly got to the playoffs a couple of years ago, and then we had a, a very poor season um, where, for a while, it looked like we were going to be uh, relegated. And then we had a we had a a, a couple of them, you know, one guy came in that was appointed who looked like a good, a good guy, Sabu Lamushi, but he took us only so far and then it slightly fell apart. Then we, we had Chris Hewton, who was our next manager, who came with a, big, a good CV and an excellent reputation and proved not to be a good fit, which then led to Steve Cooper coming in. What I would say about Mr. Marinakis is that he was always, in those early times of his ownership, he was kind of like... Uh, a, a sort of a background figure really he was like not especially visible he would he would come to certain games I remember him turning up um at the city ground one night we played Millwall when we were in the championship and he came and and sadly for him and sadly for us we we lost 3-0 to Millwall and, and Millwall deserved the win and it was a bit of a in fact that was the that was the last game at the city ground before Covid um became a thing in this country and Mr Marinakis, I believe he came over because Olympiacos were playing Arsenal in a Europa League match um, on the Thursday night. And then he came from the Emirates to the city ground on the Friday. And then I think he went back to Greece and the poor chap on the Sunday was diagnosed with Covid. And and I think not long after that Mikel Arteta was the first major football figure in this country to, to sort of go down with the virus. So by the by, but but he's, he's become... Towards the end of last season, as, as um, Forrest were beginning to look like they had a chance of getting into the playoffs, and then once he got through the playoffs, he became much more um, visible and uh, much more of a presence, if you like. Um, for, for example, we lost the game to Bournemouth at the end of last season. We were slightly hard done by with a penalty, and Mr. Maranakis had his say about it which was kind of unusual, but I, I liked. I thought, oh, good, Evangelos is really getting involved now. And then, obviously, he was very visible at the playoff final. And then there was a major celebration in the city centre of Nottingham, which, again, he was very, very visible. And then from then, he he made some promises about backing Steve Cooper and, and sort of strengthening the team and sort of implying that just survival in the Premier League was not what he was after. He wanted more than that and so in making all of these sign ins he's made it readily apparent i think to the forest support that he's here to back us up and he wants he wants the best for nottingham forest so where he is with our support at the moment he's in a very he's in a very good place i think with our ownership i mean you know we as you two both said at the start 23 years poor ownership a host of managers who've come and tried and failed and left. And we it's the first time for so long with, with Nottingham Forest that there's a, a sense of stability. Now, the only thing that's, that's a new issue is the fact that because we've risen so quickly, we now have to acc- acclimatise unbelievably quickly to a league which is unforgiving, utterly unforgiving, against some of the best teams in the world. If you consider like Chelsea were European champions two years ago. They're having their own issues. Tottenham are very strong. Arsenal are uh, a revelation this year. Liverpool are Liverpool without even without Sadio Mane. They're, they're a tremendous team. And Manchester City are just sort of held aloft as, as a league above every and even more so with Erling Haaland. So what Forest find themselves in is trying to find themselves in a sort of a maelstrom of, of really difficult football matches. But as far as Mr. Marinakis is concerned, he is uh, a popular, well-regarded figure with the with the support. I would say.
1: Well, I think as, as Manos says, here you can't go wrong if your colours are red and white.
2: <laughs> Very true, Manos.
1: I think a lot of Olympiagos fans can relate to that for sure. Uh, obviously, Forrest wearing okay. Gary boldy reds. Yeah, uh, I do. I do want to ask you. I mean. Because you guys have made so many transfers this summer, uh, I do want to bring up a couple of comments that have come up from from our guests. One of them from from Nolan Fox is: I hear Lewis O'Brien has been one of your best players uh, in spite of all the big signings. Uh, you, I mean, you you talked about the the time needed to adapt for the new players that the team needs to gel, etc. I'm curious, like your opinion on on this point here. And I don't know if you have an opinion or any knowledge about this one. What's going on with Gustavo Scarpa? Is he still coming to Olympiacos? Uh, I don't know if you heard about this one, mate. So this is a, a player from Palmeiras. Yeah. yeah. Olibiagos was said to be in, in talks with over the summer. His contract ends in December. And you know a Brazilian journalist came out from a massive publication and said Gustavo Scarpa is going to be playing in the Premier League for Forest come come January and that mm-hmm. caused a bit of a how, how to call it a circus media circus in Greece I no, he's not going to go to Forest he's coming to play for you in January then the Brazilians were saying uh, he's going to go to Olympiakos, but that's only if they get to the Champions League knockout stages, which we mm. didn't even qualify for the groups. Uh, mm. I, I, don't, I don't know like if you've got a take on, on that one as well or what you've heard about it. Because no. like, we, we've talked about this a lot. And the, the thing that I've said to, to a lot of Olympiakos fans is, tell me where Gustavo Scarpa plays in that forest team. In that three-four-one-two system that Steve Cooper plays, where they've got Jesse Lingard, they've got Morgan Gibbs-White that can play at the ten, they've got Brennan Johnson, and they don't play with wingers. They've got Nico Williams and Toffolo right now, and Richardson coming through on the left. And where the hell is this
2: Brennan
1: Lodi as well? <laughs> yeah, Like, where the hell is this Brazilian going to play?
2: Well, so so okay, that, that that's my take on it.
1: Um,
2: let me let let me take. Let me take the two points um, separately. So, Lewis O'Brien of the signings thus far has probably been just about the standout.
1: From um, Huddersfield, yeah,
2: yeah. He um, he he and Harry Toffolo kind of came as a pair, but of the two, um, Lewis was uh, more expensive than Harry was, if you like. Um, and Harry Harry's done okay. Um, he's he's in fierce competition with Renan Lodi because Renan Lodi's come from Atletico Madrid. Um, he's a Brazilian international, so based on that alone, Renan is higher up the pecking order than Harry. But Harry, Harry, Harry's risen through the divisions. I saw Harry play in League Two in in the in, here in England. So he's risen a long way to be where he is. He's still learning. Um, uh, whereas Renan Lodi's obviously played Champions League, but Luis O'Brien seems to have settled as quick as anybody where for us have been slightly unlucky um there were two guys who were probably competing for that best signing so far and they were moussa Niakati, who came in from uh, Mainz, center-half
1: kind of uh,
2: senegalese senegalese international excellent player who who's become really really popular really really quickly he played against west ham in that win and was arguably our man of the match but got injured so he had to come off sadly the following week, so he that's one loss that Forrest, if, if Musa I think, had been fit, Forrest might still find it tough, but less tough than it's been, um, because he's quite an imposing physical presence. And then the following week, the man of the match at Everton, by, in my view, quite a considerable margin, was Oral Mangala, the young Belgian midfielder. Now, Oral played beautifully at Everton. But similarly, he came off at Goodison Park 10 minutes from the end with an injury. And sadly, those two have not been able to play since. And I think had those two played, certainly in the games against Fulham and Bournemouth, I'm not saying for a moment that we would have won them, but I think we might have performed better in them. So, But Lewis, Lewis came on against um, Fulham. And there's a lot of um, puzzlement about why Lewis didn't start against, uh, against um, Fulham. He came on at 3-1 and he scored to make it 3-2. And he, he in his own way, sort of dragged Forrest back into the game and, and started to help Forrest push forward and push Fulham back. Meaning that Fulham, who are a more settled team than Forrest, and, and obviously got Mitrovic playing superbly now, they've managed to work that out it's a key thing Mitch you know the one thing about forest is they're not relying on one guy to the same extent that Fulham are but Fulham's one guy he's their talisman he's playing at last he's playing really well in the Premier League so but what they did they, they at least made Fulham force Fulham to manage the game out uh with a bit more um worry than they might otherwise have been so I think Lewis O'Brien is, is probably a good shout for the, the best player so far as regards Scarpa I um, did that thing that we all do. Uh, I guess you two guys do it as well, where we learn a name and we go straight to YouTube to watch the highlights real right. And I watched, you know, my my take on Scarpa is that Palmeiras, I believe, won two Copa Libertadores, And Scarpa, I believe, was heavily involved in both victories. So, uh, and I think he's played some games for Brazil as well. So he's he's clearly a talent. Uh, My understanding with regard to Scarpa and Forrest was that, and i may be wrong and you you two guys might might wish to correct me and if if i am wrong is that my understanding was that scarpa would arrive in nottingham in january um but beyond that i don't know how whether he whether he's going to be an olympiakos player coming on loan to forest or a forest player then maybe going on loan to olympiakos i really can't say i mean um it as you say, the, the possibly the slight difference in the relationship is that where previously it was felt like that it was like, you know, for a long time, quite rightly, Olympiacos were the stronger club with the higher um, status, if you like, and they would send people to us. So we've had like quite a few come to us, you know, maybe it's going the other way now because of where Forest have got to. I I'm not saying that Forrester are are, are in a better position than Olympiacos. I think what I think, I think it's more now a relationship of equals than it previously was. But as regards Scarpa and Olympiacos, I wouldn't like to say, I mean that, you know, you guys as Olympiacos fans might know more than me, but all I knew was that I I liked what I saw in his highlights, really looked a really good player, left-sided free kick taker, looked a skillful player. Um, but then, as you say, there's this crowded forest midfield with Morgan, with Jesse, with Brennan. You know, Remo Freuler is in there. He's just played beautifully for Switzerland against Spain and Switzerland beat Spain. He hasn't he hasn't got up and running yet, Remo, but we all know that the conductor is a good player. And when he finds his feet, he's going to be handy. You've got Ryan Yates in there, who's Mr. Nottingham. You know, Ryan, Ryan's got a kind of a, the fans have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Ryan, but Ryan gives it. Everything for the cause. I'm I'm a fan. I'm not I'm not I'm not down on Ryan Yates at all. You've got who else you've got in there? You've got Lewis, you've got Oral Mangala. So that forest midfield at the start of the transfer window, that was the area everybody felt needed to be strengthened considerably. And now it's become a sort of a crowded area. So if Gustavo Scarpa turns up in Nottingham in January, it, it is gonna be well, where does he fit in? So maybe he is. My, my view is that if he turns up in Nottingham as a Forest player, he'll probably do... He'll go down the same route that Huang and Josh Bowler have gone, and I think he'll he probably come to you. Um, I mean, yeah. the interesting thing, I mean, you know, it might be the same for you guys in uh, with Olympiakos. is that, you know, we're going to be into another transfer window soon, and that when you've already brought 22 in, you know, you'd like to think that it won't be as chaotic and it won't be as active, but, you know... Forest by that time might be adrift at the bottom and might need some drast- some more drastic surgery. You just you just don't know. I mean, only hindsight will tell you that. But my guess, it my my, my personal gut feeling is that Gustavo Scarpa will probably more likely play for Olympiakos than Forest, based on the numbers that are in his position at the moment.
0: Well, you already brought them up, and that was the question I was going to ask. It was a question we got on Instagram already. What what is the feeling around the Forest fans on Wejro Huang and Josh Bowler? These are both guys that were signed by Forest and loaned to Albiacos for the season. The way it was reported is that basically they've been sent on loan. If they do well at Albiacos, they were told they have a chance with uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, both of them, uh, they both have attributes that, uh, if it came out would be valuable. Josh Bowler and his dribbling ability because we didn't have anybody that could really do that. We Mm -hmm. draw along more so with his efficiency and finishing and positioning. Mm -hmm. So how did Mm -hmm. you guys see this? How do you see both of these transfers and them coming to
2: Olympiacos? Uh, I think with uh, Puang, it was a case of a lot of the Forest supporters were like um, not really knowing that much about who is this guy. I mean, to me, if he's playing in that South Korean team alongside Hoon Min Son and he's a South Korean regular, and his goal scoring record is pretty good you know he's he's a, a, a pretty decent guy to have around i would suggest i mean he is sort of i believe he's 30 31 which kind of doesn't sort of align with the, the if you like the transfer strategy and principles that dane murphy the chief executive of nottingham forest outlined last year he um not long after he um began, began his tenure with nottingham forest Dane came into the, uh, he wrote an article in the in the Match Day programme where he laid out that he wanted Forest to be a more, uh, a, a slimmer squad, if you like, in terms of numbers, for it to be a younger squad with more academy players coming through and the age of 26 as a sort of a, a ceiling um, for the age of the squad was put forward. So if you like, uh, Huang, as a 30-year-old, doesn't kind of fit with that um so it's one i think is no disrespect to one i mean as i say his international record is decent you know south korea a good side he, we we all know Hume Min son and we all love Hume Min son it, it, Hume Min son is one of those players in this country who is genuinely popular whoever you support people just like the guy you know i don't know of anybody that's going to down on it but maybe the arsenal supporters, or well because he's Tottenham and all that business but so you know Huang has got clear qualities and um you know to get in that south korean side he must be a decent player but he's a bit of an unknown quantity josh bowler is the complete opposite um Forrest saw josh bowler close up twice last year um in a uh, forest blackpool 2-1 at the city ground and then were brilliant in winning 4-1 at bloomfield road in april um which is an amazing day especially for those of us that travel to the games fantastic atmosphere and josh bowler um was blackpool standout player throughout the season so i um I, I I kind of wanted Josh bowler from the outside I thought it'd be good for us um he the only thing I would say about bowler is he's um he's gone to there was some again there was some bewilderment about why bowler signed and then went straight out to Olympiakos. um but I guess he's going to play uh, Europa League is uh, Olympiakos in the Europa League yeah so he's going to get that um you know josh has made his decision you know if josh didn't want to go to olympia then probably the deal would not have happened so you know josh has made his thing but i kind of see josh as if forest were to kind of struggle and then be relegated then i think josh would probably be then ready-made for forest if they were to be pushed back down into the championship but I, he's a fine player he fits in with the strategy uh, the age uh strategy um and, he, and he's a he's a clever player. I mean, Blackpool last year in that league, they'd just been promoted with Neil Christie from League One, and they overachieved and they were good to watch. They were they were an entertaining team. Even that day when Forest won four one, Blackpool actually played some really good football. So, Boler and, and as, as Manoff says, there he's, he's dead right. Boler is a really good prospect, and I think that um, he's he's going to have a future at Forest at some point. Um, I'm saying that right now here in September of 2022, but as you two guys, we all know uh, football changes so rapidly. And 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 I go back to the words of the greatest manager of all time, the greatest manager, and that's Brian Clough. And that's he said, awesome. nothing surprises him, surprises me in football and, and nothing would. So I can sit here and say, you know, Josh Bowler is a really good guy and a good player and a good prospect. Uh, and I hope he's doing really well out there in Olympiacos. And, um, but uh, you know, we just uh, we might come us three guys might come back in a couple of months, and the whole scenario has changed, you know, uh, uh, immeasurably. So we'll see. But yeah.
1: Sorry, what else you got, mate?
0: Uh, I do. I have a couple. I have a couple of other ones for you here. Hold on. Uh, there was a question I actually wanted you to remark on from a from one of our comments. Uh, up here this and this was a segment i thought was really cool that you guys did when you were on mr door costa and it's a question here that Lakis gabalas brought up so costa and and mr door had this segment where they each kind of picked what player or costa had to pick what player he would want from forest (laughs) if he had the chance and then mr door which player from libya So i'm gonna ask you the question if you had to pick a current player playing for libya and not one of the ones that's already being loaned to us you're getting them back anyway but yeah, if yeah. you had to pick a player from Olympiacos to take the forest, who would you pick?
2: Well, best test of, of
0: knowledge,
1: test of knowledge. Uh, does he based, know anyone
2: on the lineup? Based on his body of work to this point, then Marcelo would be lovely. Yeah, of um I, and I guess also James. I, I'd like James, I think. Um, but then again, <laughs> where does James fit in with Forest? Now, if if we get the James of you know, excellent World Cups with Colombia and and his early form at Everton, um, then that would be a tremendous asset. Uh, Marcelo brings so much experience and leadership. I mean, he he's been a sort of a constant uh, standout, in, you know, in one of the best club teams that the world's ever seen for so long. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick from the the very best. I'd have to say, I'd, I'd, uh, Marcelo. I think probably yeah. It, it, to narrow it down, but Hamas is not far behind
0: oh, absolutely. and even though he he played about I think it was just about 1200 minutes last season uh, when you look at his offensive traits and what he did in build up and in the final third, he was still mm. at his age he's still he was still one of the top producers in the top five yeah. leagues. So yeah. that says something to me. at the very least i figured i figured it would be one of those two because they still are James in in the one game he's played for us so far it was just playing balls and through balls and balls all over the place for fun so the quality's there it's it's, i'm not surprised that you picked them
2: I, i think James is on a bit of a recovery mission because he went to everton and he had a he had a really good start and then just sort of um faded quite quite quickly and quite badly so you know he's, he's a guy trying to get his um his career back on track i mean if you remember what he did for colombia in, in the world in the world cups he was absolutely outstanding yeah. i think he i think he got the the goal of the world cup or the player of the world cup or something like that so he's obviously clearly a talent but with marcelo he was like you know real madrid were picking teams for like however many years and they got all these galacticos and and whoever was the coach at real madrid at the time is probably putting marcelo's name first onto the team list. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sure what age he is, but he's probably one of those guys who could still do an, an amazing job in in a Premier League or, or whatever at, at, at his age, you know. So, um, so yeah, those are the two I'm going to go for.
0: What about Bukhailakis? There was a comment – sorry, Costa, I just put it up. No, there was no. a comment yeah. asking if you'd take Bukhailakis back.
2: Yeah. Fawad Bashirou. Hmm. So he's gone to Ammonia Nicosia, yeah? yeah. Yeah,
1: that's our friend Stel from the No Trophies podcasts.
2: And <laughs> yeah. um, they, um, Farid Bashiru, I think, played one or two games for Forest, and never really made any impression at all. Sadly. Do, do you remember Buchalakis,
1: Andreas Buchalakis, that played for you?
2: Um, uh, not that <laughs> well, I'm afraid, Costa. No, but, which I guess, yeah. which I guess tells you everything you need to know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the thing hard. is, over the last few years until the we've, we've achieved this recent stability, we've had so many, we've, we've had a, a host of, a cavalcade of managers come and go, and we've had a host of players come and go, and, and you know, 23 years of, of underachievement and mediocrity tells you that those players did not make the impact that was required until Steve Cooper arrived and he built this spirit and he just got he just got this team playing really. So um yeah, a lot there's there are a lot of this it's almost kind of like this um Bermuda triangle of forest history where everything just disappeared, never to be remembered or, or to be celebrated, really. So that's I think that's why we're at this in this exalted frame of mind now, because for so long we've not been, you know, a part of this um. Great, you know, high-profile league. So, yeah,
0: he had a screamer from close to midfield about five years ago when he was loaned to you guys. He screamed two goals re- in
1: his opener, and then he just that was it. Yeah, one of brilliant. them it
0: was really far from distance, and it was a laser. That's the only yeah. thing I remember. From
1: yeah, one was a curler. There was a curler, and there was a screamer, like both in the in his first game, and. For us, for you
2: know us, what actually I do remember him now he scored a great goal i think it was at griffin park against brentford in a yeah. 4-3 victory and we kind of thought well this guy looks really good yeah. and then we never saw the like again so actually yeah <laughs> yeah it was it, i think i mean to be honest with you for I, i'm saying a lot of these guys came and never made the impression that was hoped for but i think maybe that the way the club was set up and the the way the club was was organized and administered at the time probably didn't didn't help a lot of those players to settle so i think you know the playing side and the administration side and the coaching side they they all kind of dragged each other down in in equal measure i think that's probably the way to look at it
1: yeah i just want to read this comment out as well thank you very much Uh, trinity hello from crete my second home I'm glad that we can watch the show based on our red beliefs. We like your soccer analysis, and you really read between the lines in relation to Leigas. Thank you very much. It's a really nice comment. Thank you for for joining the community. I think that's another new one. Like and subscribe, guys, if you haven't done so already. And straight back to the comments. There's quite a few that have come in. There's a you know somebody else asking about you know what it felt like being bottom of the league and now being in the Premier League. I suppose the question really is. Like, I mean, did, in a million years did you ever expect to be in this position? Like it's it's really dreamland for you guys. You've really gone from like the bottom of the bottom <laughs> to a position where you're fighting for promotion. And and I mean it for those that watch the scenes in in the centre of Nottingham after the, the, the game at Wembley, it yeah, you know, it's like you win the Champions League. You know, you guys are back after twenty three years, but Um, that must have been an emotional roller coaster for you guys.
2: I think the word unbelievable is 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 used far too often to describe situations. I think we, we add hyperbole and we add hype to things, but unbelievable really is the word that can be attributed to what's gone on at Nottingham Forest in the last 12 months. I mean, no way, no way did we see that come in. We you know, Steve came in he came with a good rep from what he'd done at Swansea he got them to playoffs two years running he was unfortunate uh the second time around to me an excellent Brentford side who who I thought were always going to go up beautifully managed really well organized a tremendous Club Brentford Uh, a a role model really for a lot of other uh, a really well-run modern Club Brentford. so so Steve came to us after um Chris Hewton had gone and and when Chris Hughton left and Steve came in, we were rock bottom, and and it was just a kind of a. I, I think the, the 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 ethos around the City Ground at the time and around Nottingham Forest were more of the same. Here we go, same old, same old, underachievement, disappointment, get used to despair, get ready for it, and then slowly but surely, this incredible turnaround began. I I, I believe that no club has been turned around to a greater extent on this planet in the last 12 months of Nottingham forest from bottom of the, I, I, I go home in a way. I'm very lucky to be able to get tickets to go to the matches that, you know, sadly a lot of people can't get because the demand for tickets is immense. Um, but I remember going to, there were two games this time last year in September where forest played Cardiff and Middlesbrough at home on a Sunday and then a Wednesday night, and they were truly abject Cardiff two-one. And Middlesbrough won 2-0. And the night against Middlesbrough, which was Chris Hewton's last game in charge, was a disgrace. I mean, I, I, I try to be sympathetic to our guys if they get beat. I'm not one for, like, castigating anybody. But the game against Middlesbrough was... Um, I actually felt like I wanted my money back. It was feeble. Truly feeble. And if anybody said to me that night... So that was September the 15th, I think, last year. That Wednesday night, as I walked out the city ground, this club will be a Premier League club on May the 29th. No way. Absolutely no way on this earth would that happen. And then, and then also because of the conditioning brought by 23 years of, of um, letdown and hurt and pain, <laughs> even when things began to gradually develop. So uh, the first game in charge for Steve was a 1 1 draw home to middle, Millwall. But then we went to Barnsley. Um, which who had been a bogey side for Forrest. We were a goal down after an hour, won 3-1. And then we win... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Middor, door checking in. The, the Borough game is real pain for us. I won't mention the Stoke game either, because that's his his least favourite game. But then what happened was we began to develop. We had a win at Barnsley, 3-1. We then went to Birmingham the following Saturday and was superb in winning 3-0. And we got some momentum going. But pe- people still thought, this is Forest. We'll fall short. It will not happen. And then I think a key turning point in the season was we played Bristol City at Ashton Gate uh, on a Tuesday night in monsoon-like conditions. And Forrest was all down going into injury time. And somehow, unbelievably, and I was lucky enough to be there, there were 1,400 of us there, cooped up in the the, the, uh, in the at Yao stand at, at Bristol City's Ashton Gate, and Forrest scored twice in injury time to win 2-1 amid amazing scenes. And I remember getting on the coach back to Nottingham that night from Bristol and there was just a sense that, you know what? This team is is improving and getting better. But even then, we still couldn't see what would eventually transpire. So it, it's the most incredible turnaround. And what it's done... Um, <laughs> Gary Parker doing the move up. Uh, I... I if Brian could have done the moonwalk i think he would have approved but Brian was very definitely old school i don't i don't think Brian was a michael jackson fan let's put it like that um but i think uh, forest supporters were always kind of wary of getting ahead of themselves so even when we got to the playoffs and then we got through into the final nobody was truly committed there were some people who were very gung ho but i think most people were like let's just wait and see so it, it has been an incredible um emotional roller coaster but it, it had a happy ending but obviously the, the roller coaster starts again because you get to a, you get to the plateau of the Premier League right we're in it now we have to start trying to climb again and becoming an established Premier League team so there are a lot of people said at the start of the season we think well Forest could finish mid-table and all that 17th out of 20 not being relegated is exactly what we should be aiming for so I mean if you look at it the, the 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 reality is there's this context that we've come from the bottom of the championship to the premier league in super quick time and actually we're second bottom of the of the premier league so we're in a better position than we were at 12 months ago but there's a hell of a lot to do so there's this context of this rapid rise and then this necessary truly necessary overhaul of the squad so it's incredibly difficult um for nottingham forest at the moment and I like to think I'm kind of being patient about that. I'm just hoping that the rest of our fan base is I don't think that's the case. You know, some people like four, de- four defeats feet in the row. People aren't going to be that happy with that. If that goes on, then it, the, the pressure is going to rise on Steve. At the moment, I think he's got what he's done over the last 12 months. He's put lots of credit in the bank. So I think he's safe for the moment. But, you know, in, you know, in football, I mean, you know, a guy could look safe in his job and then be gone. I mean, Carlos Corbra six weeks. So, Mr. Marinakis, we all know that Mr. Marinakis has put a lot of investment into Nottingham Forest. If he gets no return on his investment, he will make a change if he feel that that's what is needed. And I think at the moment, um, I think there's more pressure on Steve than there is on Mr. Marinakis at the moment. So, we'll see. I think for Steve, these games leading to the World Cup up till November the 12th, which is Palace, which is the last game, Bristol Palace. If, if, if results pick up a bit, then I think Steve's probably safe for a while. But if results are poor, then Mister Mr. Mr. Marinakis might see the break for the World Cup as a time to take stock, and he may make a change. But Steve's incredibly popular with the Forest supporters. But we all know that the, it's the owner's decision, and he might not see the see um, the, lay of, the lay of the land like like we do. So uh, yeah, but the last year's been after so many years of disappointment, it's been fantastic. And and it's, you know, for a lot of us, I tell you what, especially for the younger people who support Nottingham Forest, who had nothing to cheer ever, they can now say, you know, we won at Wembley, we're in the Premier League, they've got something for the for the, for the younger generation. I'm 58. So I remember um, winning the league, winning the European Cup in both Munich and Madrid against Malmo and Hamburg and, and League Cup wins. I remember the great days of Brian Clough. So I'm lucky. The, the younger kids who support Forest have never had anything to cheer, but they've got something now. So um, it's been absolutely amazing. Some positivity
1: <laughs> from Olympiagos fans here, Dave. Lovely.
2: Thank you for that. We'll yeah, take it's that. Only
0: three points. It's only three points between you and 13th place right now. So, it's really-
2: <laughs> Do you know Harry? That That's true. I do... I look at the table. I mean, <laughs> we're not that far off the Champions League places if you want to take it a step further. <laughs> but, um, as you say, it's all... I think, the, I think the thing with, with both of our clubs at the moment for Olympiakos and for Nottingham Forest is context is all. You know, the context for Forest is this rapid rise and a rapid, necessary, you know, I use the word again, um, change of personnel. And I guess for Olympiakos, there's a slightly different context of, you know, I think, am I right in thinking you, you won three titles on the bounce recently? Uh, is that right? So, you know, we are trying to get back to that exalted level that we we had many years ago and which gave us our heritage and our great tradition um i guess for olympiakos it's like you you've got in within greek football you've got to that level and now it's about maintaining it so you know you have your context and we have we have our context you know people think it's
1: easy like i think looking from the outside in if you're especially if you're in the uk where you know, the German league is Farmers League, let alone the Greek league. Uh, they, they look at Olympiakos and they think, ah, oh, you know, the, the league's really weak. Like, they win it every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've made it look easy, and to be honest, it has been too easy on us, particularly the last two years. Um, mm-hmm. We had gone two years without winning the title. And, yeah. and then, and you know, now we've won it three in a row. But it's not easy. Like when you get to the top, remaining at the top is is always a challenge. And you essentially essentially uh Olympiacos biggest opponent is Olympiacos. It's always the it's always who we're looking at in the mirror that, that we're trying to mm. be. a better version mm. of ourselves and mm. trying to find that. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges of this year as well, besides the great point you made. You know, in your introductory remarks, when you you said that you know Forest is a club that's looking for its identity, which is exactly what yeah. what we're trying to do yeah. as well this season. And do you know what? I'm I'm going to sidestep a little bit, but I asked Dora a question yesterday, and he didn't answer my question. I'm going to put it to <laughs> you. <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a difficult one. I'll do my
2: best, uh, Guston.
1: But just like just say the first things that come to your head. All right. So you made 22 25 signings however many you're the manager what's your best starting 11 first Ooh. names that come to your head come on i'm going to help you on the way as well okay Keith so henderson right, henderson's your goalkeeper yeah yeah
2: and then my back three is uh, everyone's fit everyone's fit
1: so you can everyone's fit
2: you so back. my back three would be joe worrell Carty, and scott McKenna. My wing back.
1: After what McKenna did against Bournemouth, you put him in your back three.
2: Uh, What I have to say about Scott McKenna is Scott McKenna has been with us now exactly two years. And the mistake he made against Bournemouth is the only mistake he's made in two years. He's been outstanding. He has been Mr. Reliable for us. Uh, He's been my favourite player since he came. He's unassuming. He's unselfish. He's solid. He seeks no limelight. He's a brilliant team player. He's a little bit short of pace in the Premier League, but he's learning. And Scott McKenna is a real solid customer. I I absolutely love the guy. He's very popular amongst the. I think that day. I think if anything, the day he made that. I mean, had he put his left footy, the ball was played down the right. Scott's being chased by Dominic Solanke. If Scott hoofs the ball into a block in, in the in the Peter Taylor stand, then we probably wouldn't be even contemplating scott mckenna the 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 rule of scott mckenna is you don't need to talk about scott mckenna because you just let him get on with his business he's a i think he's a wonderful player yeah he might be a little bit short of pace but he makes up for it in other ways so um i i'm kind of fighting his corner a bit there but i think that one mistake in two years for a, a human being and all the human beings are imperfect is a pretty good record and i and he's Scotland. I think have just won two games on the trot. He's played full ninety minutes in both, and I, he's not been mentioned in dispatches. So you know, Scott's done well. Scott McKenna, when he made the when he made the mistake against Bournemouth, his personal reaction at that moment, I think, was it kind of magnified the sense of shock around the ground at what happened with giving that goal away. And my first thought was. He'll bounce back from that because he's a strong character. So I have no, I have no qualms about putting McKenna near Carty in the middle, McKenna on the left, and Worrell on the right. Nico Williams at right back, and then uh, Renan Lodi. Uh, although he needs to find his Atletico Madrid form, and and Harry Toffolo is developing. And Omar Richards will will kind of come into competition, but I'm going Renan Lodi at the moment based on what he's done. My two holders in midfield are Louis O'Brien and Oral Mangala. My, my sort of number 10, if you like, is Morgan Gibbs-White. I think he's a, he's got a box of tricks. He's got an X-Factor, Morgan. He's, he's charismatic. He's a good character. He's just that little bit sharper in match fitness at the moment than Jesse Lingard is. I like Jesse. You know, Jesse's obviously a great character. Jesse's carrying some baggage that's been put on him by the media, saying he should have gone to West Ham because they're a... A bigger, more established club than us, but he chose us because uh, Steve Cooper, Mr. Marinakis, treated him with great respect. He, he liked that. I don't think Jesse's been helped by the fact that he didn't play much for Manchester United last year. He was kind of while well, Manchester United were going through this mini meltdown, Jesse was sort of hampered by that. But I'll go for Morgan, and then I'm going for Tywo a one year from a one year up front because I think he he's raw, but I think we need a focal point up front, and then I'm going to I'm going to st- it's a tight one then between Brennan Johnson and Emmanuel Dennis, but I'm going for Brennan. Um, but so oh, that, right, yes, that. So I'm going Henderson, Worrell, Nick Artie, McKenna, Williams, Loddy, uh, O'Brien, Mangala, Gibbs White, Johnson, and Awani. Now, a lot of Forest supporters won't agree with that, but that's the beauty of the world and opinions, right? You did, right. It. You did yeah. it, though. You, you did. I, did. It. I got, uh, sure, got it. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, the thing is, uh, you know that if, if I came back and spoke to you guys, I don't know, you know, at, at the point where we, we break for the World Cup and Forest have won a few or lost a few, depending on what goes on, then I might come up with a different eleven. But at the moment, that is the eleven that I would pick. Uh, my first name on the team sheet would be Musaniacar, Cartier fully fit. I think he's, I think he's he's got a real presence about him, um, especially it's, in the middle, of, and he. Gives us that little bit of extra pace at the back that you know Joe and Scott don't quite have, but you know uh, Worrell's my captain. You know Wor- Worrell actually Worrell's had a lot of criticism from the Forest supporters, um, uh, and he, but he again he's learning. You know, he, and, and Joe Worrell has been told all his career that he isn't good enough, and he keeps finding a way to prove people wrong. And I'm sure he'll do the same again. So, so yeah, it's uh, that would be my eleven very very well done yeah. uh, i'll tell you what guys actually i think you would probably if you asked um a cross-section of forest supporters uh, what their starting level would be i think you might and this is our problem essentially our intrinsic difficulty at the moment is that you would get lots of different starting 11s from lots of different people and we need to get to one that is universally accepted and that that is our issue at the moment Sounds... You've got
1: the same problem The <laughs> same problem <laughs> I,
2: <laughs> I, notice, I did notice Actually guys that neither uh, Huang or Josh Started your game against Was it Aris that you played This weekend or last weekend That's right but they both started right. in Europe they Yes in Europe. Exactly So, uh, so they're, they're going to play all the, Euro- the Europa League games Yeah I They'll
0: mean, be in them
1: Yeah well, it
0: depends what Michel has to say about it.
2: Right. The yeah.
0: new coach. Yeah. And real quick segue, uh, I want to thank TF91. Thank you so much, uh, my friend, for the donation. I don't know if you meant to put a comment with that, but if you have something else you want to say mm-hmm. <laughs> and forgot, just drop it in there and uh, we'll read that one as well. But, but yeah, they. Um, the, we'll see. Michel's already the European list isn't safe for anybody right now because there's already people on the European list that are getting, uh, getting the boot. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We have to wait at least for international break to see what he decides to do with yeah. the rest of the guys in the roster. He has how many more players to cut Costa? Cause he said he wanted a squad of 24. He's got another nine to go eight to go.
1: Yeah. What? What if we sign more players from the tran- from the free transfers? Oh. We've still got a few more days to go until the transfer. Uh, end all, the, the, Belgian,
2: a- the Belgian, the
0: Belgian centre back has has been one that apparently he wants. Uh, Jason um, Denier. Um, Denier, That's Good it. Player.
2: Good player, international quality. Actually, can I ask? Talking about Belgium, can I ask you two guys? I mean, and, and I'm probably talking on behalf of a lot of Nottingham Forest supporters. Philip Zinconagel is the one. Now, you know, Philip, Philip left us with a lot of, you know, he, he was excellent. He was a bit inconsistent for us, Philip. Yep. He would shine on certain days and he wouldn't shine on others. I mean, uh, what I would say is that I think all the ladies of Nottingham are missing Philip Zinconagel. He's a very stylish young man, uh, a very uh, erudite and elegant, sophisticated man. He was a very a definite favourite with the ladies. I know that. I keep hearing that from <laughs> Forest fans that he's a handsome man. <laughs> yeah, he 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 came, he, he made a great impression. I mean, he's an extremely educated, uh, you know, well-rounded, cultured kind of guy. And and I was I was sad, I, I was really happy to see him come. I I, I just liked him. He had, he had an know Yeah, he, you know, there were days where Philip wouldn't do very much, but there were other days where Philip was a real, a real key player. I I particularly remember when we beat Leicester. Who were fa cup holders we beat them in the fa cup 4 one philip scored and was just instrumental throughout and then he would go to the next game like where's philip gone you know but we we did like him but what what i can't get my head around i'm hoping you two might be able to explain is that he's gone off to Olympiakos, and then in in, in a in the blink of an eye he's at standard liege is there any is there anything sort of sinister in that you can tell from the reactions on my
1: on our Ari's face and my reactions. Um, <laughs> Neither, G- I don't think I Costa or bad.
0: I actually agreed with that move. I, I I'm gonna say this because I when I did the scouting report, I watched every touch he had for you guys last season, and so I, I saw the value that he would bring. I also saw the inconsistency, and it was something that yeah. concerned yeah. me when I did the scouting report on him. But Philip, as as far as how how things happen was a victim of chaotic change at, at this club because when he came in it was under the previous manner Pedro Martins, who wanted him, valued him very highly then of course Martins never played acts. him in his,
1: never played him in his natural position, always played him out of position.
0: Well, and that's that's a whole different thing. we, ne- we never got to see him ever play in his natural position, which is something that irritated uh, more than a few of us. Uh, there were some, uh, there were a lot of LiBiacos fans that, despite him never playing in his natural position, were very frustrated with him because of some of the inconsistency uh, that you saw. He definitely, there, there were plenty of times, especially when Corberon took over, where he wasn't connecting well. Uh, mm-hmm. But not that, um, not that, uh, not that I necessarily, anybody was really connecting very well, but he was one that it was a standout. And if you go by some of the comments that, were made that he made to press, you know, the, the system didn't benefit him. He didn't want to play with the new coach. He, he was, uh, unfortunately a victim of a lot of change. And right. if it were me with when the EU list was made and he was left out, you know, I feel bad because he came into this club, probably with promises. You know, you don't come into a club without those. He was probably promised some things. And then of course, new coach comes in, leaves him out of the European list. There's two players, I can tell you right away, I would have left off the list for him. That's just me mm. and my opinion. And they're but on the way out now as well. And that's another thing. But I I, I liked him as a player. I thought that he could contribute something to this club at the very least. So I
2: was a little bit disappointed personally. Mm. He seems to have started quite well at standardly age, actually. Yeah. From what He scored two bangers at the weekends. Yeah, yeah. I follow him on Instagram Um in fact, he he uh he told a friend of mine that he knows me, <laughs> which is he'd seen me on a podcast before, apparently. So I, I I have a I have a strong uh kind of feeling of affiliation with Philip. I, I just hope that wherever he goes, he does well. But the thing about him was um I think going up into the Premier League, and it was this like, he was one of those five loans that we had last year, who were, you know, four of them in particular. Uh, poor old Max Lowe came in, did well, but got injured at certain times of the season, so he didn't really make as much of a, a, a contribution as he would have liked. Um, so Jack, Lowe, we were linked
1: with, by the way. So again, we were linked with him, by the way.
2: Yeah, Max Lowe. Lowe. Yeah, yeah, he's he's right right. He's come back to Sheffield United and he's doing okay now because Sheffield United top of the Championship and are looking good to be one of those teams, you know, in contention to come up to the Premier League this year. But of the, uh, the other four, definitely. So there was Jed Spence, who was a revelation for us, yeah. having come from Middlesbrough with no kind of uh, reputation whatsoever. Now now he's a £20 million or whatever, £15 million Tottenham Hotspur player. Whether he's going to get games or not is another matter. There was Jed Spence, Keenan Davis, um, James Garner, who's hugely popular at City Ground. And we, I think we would have liked him back, but he's now gone to Everton. Keenan's gone on loan to Watford. Uh, and then Philip Zinkernagel. So, but I think with Philip, I think the other three that we talked about there—Spence, Davis, and uh, James Garner—I think the vast majority of Forest fans would have had those back in um, in, a, in a heartbeat. Whereas with Philip, I think the sense was that you know you got you got you didn't quite get everything of Philip all the time, and I think Steve Cooper. He, he, he doesn't give much away about individual Steve Cooper. He's extremely diplomatic. He's a brilliant communicator and he looks after the team and, it, and with Steve Cooper, nobody gets ahead of themselves. Forrest stands as a team and fall as a team. But I did hear a comment where uh, Steve referred to how he has lots of co- he had lots of conversations with Philip Zinkernagel and he made the point Philip Zinkernagel is an incredibly uh, educated young man. Uh, you know, but it, you got the sense that Steve was always striving to get more from Philip and he wasn't always getting it. And I think the idea was that, you know, I think he was the one of the uh, of those key loan players that you kind of thought, if we go to the Premier League, Philip is not going to to be making that journey with us, really. So, um, but I just found it interesting that he was, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys have sort of added some, uh, some again, some context to what's happened with Philip, because I was like, Oh, he's at standard age. i thought he was at olympiakis but as you say you know you've gone through you know you're onto your i guess your third manager now in two months with with carlos um having come and gone so quickly so you know it's but that's the nature of modern football things change i mean very you know when i was young uh, clubs in this country uh, had, had managers who were synonymous with that club because they had been there so long so, so matt busby and then bill shankley at liverpool and uh Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger at Arsenal, and now we've got Klopp and Guardiola, who are like that. But but whereas in the past that was the norm, now that's this is that's the rarity, you know. So the longest idea of the longest serving manager in in the Premier League these days is like there's, there's Guardiola and Klopp, but they're probably the only two at the moment in the in the Premier League who can leave on their own terms. So. The rest for the rest, it's a, an ever-evolving, ever-changing picture, and you know. So we're looking at Steve, yeah, and I'm saying to you guys, he's he's well liked, he's hugely popular, and he's got loads of credit in the bank. But Mr. Marinakis might decide in, you know, if we lose at Leicester in the next in the next game, which is a crucial game because they're Leicester. the only. They they're they're in they. I think with Leicester, um, they're coming to an end of a cycle. So they had the cycle of winning the league against all odds. They get to, to get to the quarterfinals in the, the Champions League and then they win the FA Cup. And I just think they're coming to the end that that. That Leicester side is coming to the end of its cycle. Whereas Forrest, if you like, are at the start of their cycle or, or near to the start of it. But if Forrest go to Leicester and lose and then lose to Villa at home the following, so it's two Monday night games, and then we've got Wolves and Brighton, and we get nothing from those knowing that then it's Arsenal at on a Saturday dinner time and uh, sorry, Liverpool on a Saturday dinner time and Arsenal on a Sunday afternoon, then the heat of Steve Cooper's seat is going to get more and more intense because that much as we love him, much as I think he's a tremendous manager with, with so much still to achieve in the game, maybe even at, at international level, that warmth of his seat is going to get much, much hotter if results aren't picked up. Because Mr Marinakis has put so much into our club, and he wants to return, and I don't think Mr Marinakis, being Mr Marinakis, wants you know to scrape survival by by fingernails. He wants something a little bit more um, assured than that.
1: Yeah, you might need an electroshock. I mean, yeah. if you like you said, if you, I think that Leicester game is is key for you guys, and um, we will be following with a, with an eager eye what's going on at nottingham forest um, yeah we, we've been going about an hour and 15 minutes now we could go on for much longer and it's been really really interesting fascinating for us to to hear you and, and speak with so much passion about everything that's, that's going on at forest yeah. we've heard you talk about what's been essentially a, a meteoric rise from bottom of the championship all the way to you know getting promoted after 23 years i think you've you've answered pretty much all the questions that I can I see so. in the chat. Like we've we've talked about, we've talked about the rise. We've talked about you know what's going on now. The context with the manager, uh, big games coming up. People are asking you know what if Cooper gets sacked. Some people are saying Pedro Martins. I doubt it after the way he left us. Um, we've talked <laughs> about transfers. We've talked about Josh Bowler. We've talked about Lucho Huang. We've even talked about Gustavo Scarpa. For those of you that are tuning in later on and asking questions about things we've talked about earlier, um, you can go back and, and and listen to this episode whenever you like.
2: We talked about Philip Zinkenagel just now.
1: Um,
2: mm-hmm. can, we I, actually, can I bring back to you two gentlemen? Can I, can I can I say that the feeling is is mutual and it's you know it's nice now for me to have a greater understanding of, of the context of Olympiakos. Um, because for so long, and this I, this, I guess, I have to kind of apologise for my my ignorance, if you like. You know, Olympiakos was kind of over there. And I'm so in, I am truly, totally in love with Nottingham Forest as an organisation, as an entity and as an institution. That I haven't probably paid as much attention to as I as I really ought to. Because, you know, there is this almost symbiotic relationship between the two clubs because we have the same owner. So I think, you know, it's been great for me as a Forest supporter to listen to you two guys so knowledgeable and so articulate about your club and, and for me to be able to, to learn from you two. So I think it's been a nice way of us to being able to sort of, uh, I'm going to use a really pompous word, cross-pollinate. <laughs> 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 um, Mr. Daw gets on at me. He says I'm too wordy, but I'm a really, to be honest with you, what you two guys have to understand is I'm a really nerdy, bookish sort of uh you know i i'm like a proper nerd about about stuff so i tend to do a lot of reading and these words come out mr door goes oh dave just calm it down because i don't understand you like that but, but i think it's nice for us to exchange views and exchange information about our clubs you know and and i i can honestly promise both you ari and and you costa that i will pay much more attention to olympia arcos now because I think it's only fair right and proper you know you've you devoted your your podcast and your lovely show to to Nottingham Forest I should devote some attention back to Olympiacos so and and the fact that the time has gone so quickly I mean I just really enjoyed um sitting here every sunday night chatting with you guys and uh, I think the fact that time's gone flown by so rapidly just shows how 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 much fun it's been for me you know so thank you both very very much
0: hey Look, we're, we're two nerds about Olympiacos, too. <laughs> so the important thing is the three of us are red and white nerds. That's it. We are. We're all, we're all red and white nerds here. That's We that's are so indeed.
2: Cool. We are indeed. You like, what? My, Tell my hope is that you two can get to the city ground. We'd be lovely for you two to get to the city ground sometime in the future. And we could all have a big group hug. That would be wonderful, I think. I'd love
1: that. I'd love
2: that. <laughs> I would
1: one day one day that will happen dave tell everyone where they can follow you um there was a question earlier about what's dave's podcast dave is a guest on the yeah actually,
2: that's a really really good point costa actually um i um now very very honored and privileged to be invited onto to various podcasts as i am onto this one and thank you again both of you um i never ever seek to go on anybody's podcast so when the invitations come it's really really appreciated but i uh mr door has his own channel uh and and lots of mr doors guests have their own channels and and there's um some fantastic stuff going on around nottingham forest there's this great community community of youtubers mr door does his stuff which is absolutely brilliant the guy's a heart of gold and he's a legend and there's there's there are lots of other guys there's rads and there's like jamie martin there's match day with max the hot uh, the 1865 red who's brilliant there's a whole host of these fantastic guys doing great youtube content and i and i go on as a guest but as you say costa i am just a guest i do not have my own youtube channel i may in years to come i tend to think it's a young man's game and at 58 maybe i'll leave it to the the younger guys but you know i just come on and uh do a bit of talk, a bit of talking, a bit of chatting about the club I love and and the game I love, because much as I love Forest, I love football above that, and I want to know as much as I can about about different types of football, different countries, and you know to know about Olympiakos and about you know, I, my first recollection of Greek football, and this is going to upset you two guys, I guess, is Panathinaikos in the nineteen seventy European Cup final. Who is this guess, guy? They lost. Where did you nil- find this guy, Ari? Where did you find it? <laughs> <laughs> but they lost 2 0 to Ajax. And I remember the game being at Wembley because I, my favourite footballer at the time when I was a little lad, apart from our domestic guys here, was my favourite football was Johan Cruyff. I think he's the greatest player, in, you know, the, the coolest footballer I ever saw. And so that night at Wembley, I watched it as a little lad. I was about six or seven. And Panathinaikos and played in green and they were utterly forgettable. And Ajax played with their white with the red stripe down and Ajax were just the brothers from another planet and um so is that they got a good eye in that <laughs> so, so yeah i'm sorry about bringing that name up but it was more about yeah. Iax and that lot and i promise i won't mention them again
1: it's all right we're just giving you some bants
2: as well mate <laughs> very <good.
1: laughs> no very good um Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show, mate. My pleasure. We could, we could go you. on a, a lot longer. Um, questions still still coming in the chat here for for Dave and for us. I think we're gonna we're gonna call it a night. Uh, Ari, did we miss anything?
0: Uh, There's one, and Dave, you can just give us a brief, really brief opinion. We talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it before going live, and you touched on it very briefly when you were discussing. Kind of the meteoric rise of Forest, and the the question is: How do the Forest fans see the finances, the amount of money that's been spent? Uh, you brought up briefly about some of the 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 pundits in media talking about how, um, you know how difficult it is, or how you know how this is going to be something that might be an issue down the road. How do the fans see it for Forest? And I you think, can make it brief. It'll probably be the last question we get to. Uh, I think
2: there up. is a little bit of concern because um, financial fair play is such an important part of football these days um, i mean our, our local context for that if you like is derby county who've had some terrible trouble recently they're now you know thankfully for, for football although i won't get <laughs> Forest fans don't want Forest uh, want derby to do anything there's there's a real rivalry there but there's this lesson from just down the road that we don't want to get into that sort of situation so the amount of, I mean, we've broken the record for the number of players signing in an English transfer window. That 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 is there. That's a fact, and a lot of money has been spent. But my understanding is, and what gives me um, reassurance is that everything has been done with a keen eye and and a very close uh, respect for financial fair play rules. Uh, it may be, I, I think, a lot of those that have been signed are probably going to be say say the worst were to happen I don't I think a lot of them those guys will kind of go with us if if, if the worst does happen if you like and, and we go back to the championship so I think there's always going to be nerves I mean in particular the Morgan Gibbs white uh, transfer and, and sorry I'm trying to be brief Harry the Morgan Gibbs white transfer did have a lot of people say well oh, that's too much money that's a lot of money but the reality is that it's kind of mr marinakis's money i guess so you know if mr marinakis has got that level of ambition then he will drag forest to the point where it meets his ambition but uh, to answer your question area in 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 summary is that they're i think they're, they're 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 satisfied with the way things are at the moment but they're always cognizant and forest have had financial issues in the past you know it's kind of a case of, of once bitten twice shy there's always this slight nervousness about amounts of money that are spent um but obviously the thing is the money's been spent now and only time will tell if it's money that's been spent wisely hey, it wasn't
0: something I was worried about to be honest with you uh he get he can depreciate the current players that he purchased over three years he has three years to make sure that this year counts the and the minimum payout that he's that he's that forest will get just from TV rights if you come in last place it covers the majority of it assuming nothing else happens yeah and you still get the parachute payments if he's able to properly liquidate
2: over the summer and actually Harry, that's that's a fantastic point you raise and and a good one to finish on actually is that for so long there was this kind of uh, loose association of clubs a little club of clubs if you like like fulham watford west bromwich Albion, sheffield united norwich the, they, they were called the yo-yo club laureate because they're up and down, you know, dreadful in the Premier League, excellent in the Championship. But what Nottingham Forest have done, they've broken into that group and they've got their hands on the... Par- Last year when we lost to Bournemouth or we lost to Fulham, it was a case of, oh, they've got parachute payments, we haven't. So that was kind of an excuse. We've broken into that little cabal of, group, of clubs now. So that in itself, I would like to think gives us a little bit more Stability and solidity financially going forward. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Well, let's see. Time will tell for both clubs. Yeah. Um, still very early on in the season, but it feels like yeah. so much has happened Like during the pre-season. It's true. A lot has happened. Um, yeah. Dave, thanks so much. has been great. My to pleasure. Have My pleasure. Um, before, before shutting down, one last comment guys what can we do to make this channel more popular this is quality for Olibiagos gos fans uh, again thank you for that comment um i'll tell you what you can do if you're listening live or if you're listening later on or watching wherever you are hit the like button that helps with youtube algorithm it helps to get the channel out to more fans across the world we are an international channel olibia in english gate seven international subscribe if you haven't done so already i think we've at least made one new subscriber here today dave if you haven't
2: subscribed already hit the subscribe <laughs> I will indeed, yeah i will indeed i shall um i shall follow i, I uh i've got gate seven hours of twitter following and i'm following back so yeah honestly such a pleasure to meet you guys and to talk with you it's been really interesting and what you do with this channel is great keep doing it and um I've never really followed Greek football as closely as I should do, but Olympiakos have got a sort of a fan from distance now. So I'm there as Olympiakos now.
1: There we go. One more. One more converted. We're well, not even converted. <laughs> baptized. We baptised him. <laughs> red and white. Once red and white, always red and white. Thank you Absolutely. very much. Thanks. Absolutely. My pleasure. Gate 7 International by the fans for the fans signing off. See you next time, guys. Κάτι